Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker podcast for Thursday, May 24th, 2018, otherwise known as National Escargot Day. I'm here with Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda. Ben Ueda, mess that up. I had too many escargot in my mouth. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. <laughs> What's up? Mike, I saw you tried sushi for the f- or proper sushi for the first time last week. I did, You ready yeah. for some escargot? Yeah, ready for some snails? I don't even know exactly what escargot is. I just know that it's some kind of snail. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the uh, start and end of it. Oh, that's the gist of it? Is it's just like you're just eating some slimy snails? Just pick them up, pull them out of the shell, and right down the gullet. Yeah, I think it'll be a little while before I get there. I've actually never had one either. Ben, you seem like the kind of guy who's had one. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really no different. Have you, Chris, have you ever eaten scallops? Oh, I thought you'd say, Chris, have you ever eaten your snot? <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, no, I've not had that either. I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, tame eater. Me, me and Mike come from the same school of wussery. When it comes to eating, just pop tarts for us. Yeah, <laughs> just pop just tarts and ketchup. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until they start making escargot pop tarts, I'm out. They really just taste like any sort of uh, kind of like you know clam or scallop or kind of you know uh, shellfish kind of thing like that. Just some kind of salty, slimy thing. I'm guessing they're not really slimy. They're not that. Not when they're cooked. Seems hard to believe. So you really never had scallops. I haven't, unless it was snuck in and I didn't notice it. Have you ever had clam chowder? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, it's, they're, <laughs> I'm a cha- they're, pretty, I'm a they're pretty similar to a, to a clam. <laughs> so then, okay, I'll eat them if they're in my chowder. That'll be my rule. All right, there's enough, there's enough uh, snail <laughs> it's talk. It's not enough. For you, uh, it's not enough. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> for you, you know, white Americans with limited palates, maybe, you know, maybe we'll just do like a ranch dressing version of clam chowder and make it a little more palatable you know, that way. maybe it's just us you know white americans who like reasonable normal food but whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is all right let's let's talk about the rockler plywood challenge that's right still plenty of awesome projects rolling in you guys got some picks for this week some things that have caught your eye mine for this week is from modernist maker or minimalist maker sorry i always get a uh, minimalist maker and <laughs> it's from modern builds uh and modern builds all sort of confused so um no our friend over from minimalist maker uh who did one of my favorite ones for the two two by four challenge did this really cool you know i sort of saw it coming along sort of following her on instagram and i saw these sort of triangles and i was trying to figure out what it was but it's this really very abstract but still super functional uh bench that's curved and made out of a whole bunch of triangular profiles so what what really struck me about it was one, you can see, you can imagine how the whole sheet of plywood was broken down into those triangles, making it very efficient. But two, she developed like kind of a very clever way to create these hidden joints and these kind of uh, kind of wedge-like spacers to create the curved uh, shape. What I think is interesting is that the profile of each triangle is very angular and sharp, but then the overall form of the whole bench has this nice gentle curve to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's chock full of good ideas. I mean, she killed it last time. Everything I've ever seen her do has been awesome, and this is no exception. Yeah, I met her at Maker Central. She was really nice, too. Her and her husband both. So my pick is Mortgage and Miter, Chris Crawford. Uh, he made a really awesome lounge chair, and I don't know what the name of this lounge chair is, but I see a lot of lounge chairs in this style. I don't know if it was like originally a famous design that has then recreated by other people, but I always see it in... St- you know, there's slight variations to it. It's not like where they all have the same plans and then they're building it. 
So I actually like the geometry of his more than a lot of the ones that I've seen for sale. Like it's just a little bit more sleek looking and a little more in a way kind of like thinner and more angular looking than a lot of the other ones. Um, he also has a YouTube video where he goes over everything. So it's a really good video. So you should definitely check it out, but it's awesome looking. Like I would take this over a lot of the all hardwood chairs that I've seen. Like I would love to have this thing in my house. Chris, if you ever want to send it, I know he's from Canada, so he doesn't call his, he doesn't call it a project. He calls it a project. I always make fun (laughs) of him about that. But man, if you ever want to send this things to the States, I'll happily take it. Yeah. I think it shares a really good way of highlighting the the edge profile of the plywood without it being too overstated. Like there's still that really nice round over where you get to see all of the layers and everything is working mm-hmm. really cohesively, but it's not uh, too over the top. It doesn't become so thick where you're, you know, you're only ever seeing 17 plies stacked. You're not seeing hundreds of them. Exactly. Yeah. So shout out came out really nice. It, it's, it's a really outstanding project. It looks so clean, incredibly finished. Uh, it doesn't, it looks like a really, it's like one of those ones that, I when I look at it, I'm like, wow, that would be really difficult and really time consuming. So the mm-hmm. the thing that I think is particularly impressive about it is that you would never guess that this came out of a competition with constraints. It looks so polished and so complete. It didn't look like anything was compromised in its form and its size or its utility to meet the constraints of only using one sheet of plywood. So shout out to Mortgage and Miter. And uh, definitely, I'm going to be yeah. checking out that YouTube video. Big time. Mine this week is from at Matty Mallon. And he made a coffee table with a really cool, is that herringbone? Is that what that pattern is? Uh, with a really great herringbone pattern showing off all of the layers of the plywood. The coffee table itself has a really sleek, clean design. Um, I really like the way he stacked the plywood to give it a little bit more dimension rather than just making a simple box. And the hairpin legs are just a clean touch. It's just like a simple project done really well. And he he able to, he was able to take some really good photos and stage it nicely as well, which goes a long way. Yeah, that is a really nice project. Um, yeah, I think that is a herringbone pattern, right? It almost looks different. I don't know if it's because it's so thin and there's so many of them that for some reason it didn't immediately jump out as a herringbone pattern to me. Right. It's kind of understated. A lot of herringbone patterns, it's like one by six planks. Yeah. You're just seeing big planks. So when you see it in this like smaller, it almost just looks like it's like grain that's in a zigzag pattern or something. Exactly. And I'm going to shout out one more person and that is Chris from A Glimpse Inside. Oh, Thought you were going to say from Four Eyes. Yeah, not Chris from Four Eyes. He sucks. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Chris, um, from A Glimpse Inside, he built a project that was a really good use of stretching out the material. So he was able to make a lumber rack, a laptop or computer stand for his shop, as well as a rolling shop stool, all out of a single sheet of plywood. Nice. So it's kind of interesting and, and really smart idea. So he was able to build this uh, kind of pull out laptop stand that fits underneath his lumber storage. So it's a good way of utilizing the same space for two different things. Mm-hmm. And he used chair webbing for the tabletop along with the seat for the stool. And it came out just really, really cool. Um, and he is at a glimpse inside. So make sure, give him a follow and a thumbs up. And just so you guys know, there will be a wrap up post on at Modern Maker Podcast, just like every other week, where we show the pictures highlighting those that we talked about, as well as scrolling through the hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge and seeing what everyone else is up to. Speaking of what we're up to, Chris, yes, what are you up to this week in the shop? This week in the shop. So 
I am getting way ahead of myself, I've noticed, in like every week I'm talking about whatever I worked on, but then that video doesn't come out for like three weeks. Yeah. So I'm actually going to take a break for a week in talking about what I'm working on so that I can kind of get them back in sync. Okay. But instead, I'll say that this weekend I got the table saw put together. So Ben from what we designed he came over and eric from cutworks who i had spoken with him a few times online but never in person so it was cool to get to meet him and we you know pretty much hung out for the whole day getting everything all set up funny story before you go any further we actually met cutworks randomly in joshua tree outside of uh, one of the restaurants getting brunch one day really he was driving through the main street of joshua tree heading out to the park he just saw me and ben hanging out in, in the front and so he stopped and we chatted for like 30 minutes oh nice yeah he has awesome projects yeah, he does. He's all, he's a really cool guy. Super nice. I'm unbelievably grateful that they came and helped me set it up because especially, he. well, first off, he already had that kind of saw and he's a metal worker and I feel like metal workers are a little bit more precise than woodworkers. So like he brought all these like metal clamps and things that we could use to make sure that all the tabletops were coplanar and it was a huge help having them here to help me and to like, you know, muscle everything around and get it all set up. And I don't want to leave my best friend whose name is Chris. He came over and helped me too. So shout out Chris. Way to go. Chris Way is go, all around this Chris. episode. Uh, Holy cow. <laughs> there, there's too many Chris's, man. I'm changing my name. Yeah. Um, to Mike. No, but uh, <laughs> so they were a big help and everything went really smoothly. Although I will say at the end of the day, so I gave my old table saw the grizzly to ben and so we were loading it into eric's truck everything was going good until ben's ass went right through the glass in the back of the truck no backed it up right just right through the glass just one little piece of glass though so oh i'm sure they'll get taken care of but it was you know it actually scared the hell out of me because i didn't even hear it happen i so he's in the truck pulling it back and i'm like kind of pushing it and then i just hear him say like oh crap and I'm like, what? What? I'm like looking at his hands. I'm looking at his feet. Like I thought like something got crushed or something, but I was like, oh, thankfully it was just a piece of glass. Like when you expect it's like somebody's finger got compressed under a sharp edge of something that weighs 400 pounds. Yeah, for real. You're happy when it's just a piece of glass. A lot of worse things could have happened. Yeah, that's insane. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Take a picture of that, man. Put that that on the podcast account. Uh, I'll get them to take a picture of it. It's I'd have to get the DeLorean if I was going to go get a picture, but I'll tell oh, him, yeah, I'll, that's I'll ask point. Eric to send me that. one. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys working on? Ben's been messing around with a bunch of sheet metal this week, or I guess oh, yeah, uh, I plate that. metal. So you should talk about that, Ben. Yeah. So first I just launched a video this week. Um, it's a steel and concrete project. I built a bar. The video's live now on our YouTube channel. And this was the first time I had done concrete countertops where I poured them in place and then we troweled the top smooth. So typically, whenever I've done concrete projects, I've made a separate form out of melamine, cast the concrete piece face down, and then built a base for it. This time, we actually used all angle steel to weld up the base. My brother helped me with this one. And then we poured the concrete right into it. And the concrete's actually really thin. It's only about an inch and a quarter, but it's super strong because we actually laminated it right to some mesh that was then screwed to some plywood. So it's a really clean, it's, it's like a industrial kind of rough looking bar, but the overall profile, the steel is only two inches. So it's kind of cool because the countertop is this sort of steel edged, real smooth slab of concrete. So uh, definitely check that out. Yeah, the I've, I've been experimenting with bending 
uh, steel. So I've been interested in doing this kind of beginner level working with metal kind of thing. Um, all of us started with materials other than metal. You know, we all started with either wood or with me with sort of concrete or more craft stuff. And steel work in particular is is very daunting to a lot of people. So I've been trying to think of like a good sort of intro series that doesn't really involve welding uh, that can get people to sort of expand their material vocabulary. And one of the things that I thought would be interesting uh, and partially inspired from the the plywood challenge is is sort of breaking the conception that all sort of metal work involves sort of angles or you know linear sections. Yeah, or like tube steel and stuff right. like that. Yeah. So I've been experimenting with bending up uh, eighth inch thick plate steel, and we tried this in a couple ways. The first way we did it uh, was without scoring it. So we just clamped some two by fours or other pieces of steel to it, just using very basic C clamps. And then me and Mike just sort of bent it using a leveraged advantage from sort of clamping longer two by fours to it. We got this really nice, uh, sort of rounded radius curve. So it has about a, about a one inch radius on, on the curve. And we were able to get it relatively, the two sides relatively parallel. Uh, the next technique that we experimented with was this time using an angle grinder, which to me is a great entry-level metalworking tool because you can get a corded angle grinder for about 40 bucks, um, and it's incredibly versatile. You can power carve with it. You can cut steel with it, uh, do all sorts of interesting things. All the, all the you know, steel cuts that we did for that previous, uh, those previous table legs from a few weeks ago were done with an angle grinder. So, um, but we didn't cut all the way through the, the plate steel. We just cut about a third of the way through the one eighth of an inch. And then we clamped it really tightly to that score line and then folded it. And we got a real nice crisp right angle fold right along that score line that we grooved with the angle grinder. So now we have like a really cool technique where we can do pretty precise origami like folds out of one eighth inch thick steel. I posted a, a preview of this project on my Instagram and just made these like nice little stools and benches and they're incredibly stable. Uh, I think me and Mike were both surprised at even without adding wood stringers along the bottom at how strong that just the, the cold bent uh, eighth inch thick steel was. Yeah, it's funny because of the radius and the curve, I think that makes it way more rigid than it would have been if it was a, a straight 90 degree corner. Uh, we, I also picked up some three sixteenths, uh, which is, you know, just a little bit thicker and going to do some experiments with that as well. So the, the other thing that was, you know, I, I picked it up from a steel yard and I had them cut it. And so I got to watch them use this big shear, which looks like a giant paper cutter, but for steel. And they were able to take the four foot by Mm -hmm. eight foot sheets and, and cut them into workable sections for me. So I didn't have to, you know, do a whole bunch of angle grinding, uh, cutting. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. It, 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 you know, it it really, it's funny how these like one material, one good material experiment can open up like 20 project ideas, right? Where you're like, Oh wait, this actually isn't that hard. And this material is pretty cheap. So Getting the the four foot by eight foot sheets of one eighth inch thick steel for about one hundred and ten hundred and twelve dollars, uh, you can do a lot with it. So that little bench that I posted on Instagram, that was under twenty five bucks in materials. It was a two by three. The stainless steel screws probably cost more than the wood uh, in it, and about twelve dollars worth of steel. Yeah, they came out to be really cool too. I uh, I'm excited to see where the whole bending metal 
projects go in the next few weeks because I feel like there's some good ideas that could come out of that and I really don't know many other people at least in the like YouTube DIY space that are messing around with it so you're blazing new trails and I like it and most importantly we're not using professional like metal bending tools and that was really important I want to just use the simplest kind of like three dollar Harvard Freight or Home Depot C clamps and then just scrap lumber or scrap steel rather than using a professional brake or something like that yeah. Real quick, before we move on, we actually had somebody, because remember last week, Ben, when you were talking about if anybody had ideas for, for doing it on the cheap, yeah. we had somebody submit a, uh, a voice memo. So we can go ahead and play that real quick right now if you guys want. Let's play it. Okay. So this is going to come in from Dirk Van Hest. Here we go. Hey, guys. Big fan. Uh, just calling in with regards to Ben's call for some ideas on how to bend sheet metal. Um, I have seen pan breaks made for vices. They're normally fairly cheap. Um, I've also seen people use a round bar or, or square bar with a notch cut in it so that you can uh, slowly bend the edge of some plate. Um, other ideas maybe is, is to use a forming hammer around some RHS to give you a profile or maybe even to um, drill some holes along the length where you want to bend it on and, and then bend through that. It'll obviously be a lot weaker and, and bend preferentially in, in a straight line along those holes. But yeah, could be, could be some ideas. They all seem fairly cheap. Um, definitely an alternative to a full-size pan. God, I wish I had an accent. I know. That's my key takeaway. So much credibility added. <laughs> that is no, true. That's, those are all great suggestions. I, I also checked out, uh, you know, shout out to Bob from I Like to Make Stuff. He had a really good uh, YouTube video up on making sort of a sheet metal break. It, it was an awesome build. And I definitely want to make something like that, especially for maybe working with like copper sheet metal or a little bit thinner. But I needed something that was able to really bend, you know, some heavier duty, some thicker steel, like, you know, hopefully eventually up to sort of quarter inch. Um, so yeah, with, I mean, me and Mike were putting all of our, our, all of our weight into sort of bending this stuff, even with the, the scoring of it. So, uh, I also checked out, uh, Jimmy Duresta had one, uh, he made sort of like a hand, a bench top, uh, sort of bender, but it was more for sort of like narrower strips, right? We were bending sort of strips of, of plate that were about a foot wide. Yeah, mm-hmm. got you. Listening to that voice well, it made me think that it might be really cool to get maybe a, a three-inch diameter steel pipe, like a round pipe, and bend the steel over that. So you're able to get these really dramatic, larger radiuses that could be really cool maybe for a chair or something like that. Instead of just like a tight corner or a tight radius, have something that's really dramatic and still controllable. Because if you're bending everything over the same piece of metal, hopefully everything stays even. Right. Right. So, Mike, what are you working on? This week, I am working... Oh, well, let me rewind just a tiny bit. The chair I talked about last week, the Resto, or the Upcycle, whatever you want to call it, it is coming out this week, and it came out super great. I am really, really pleased with it. It looks awesome. Yeah, it was much slower than building anything from scratch, which was not exactly what I was expecting going into the project. But it was just the challenge of every step throughout the process was kind of a new step. I had never, mm-hmm. you know, prepped and painted an old piece of furniture before. So I had to go through, figure out what the sanding process was, what kind of, I ended up using acetone to clean all the metal before painting. But figuring out all that process was longer than it would have been if I was just painting something new. Figuring out the whole upholstery thing was another big kind of learning experience and, and trial by fire. And then once again, f- figuring out the kerf cutting to make the, the seat buckets 
was just another kind of step along the process. So it wasn't an incredibly intensive project, just an hour spent, but more in problem solving. But it was still a lot of fun and it came out looking really, really classy. So that video should be up Thursday, which is the day this podcast comes up. So peep it, give it a like, maybe give it a share or something like that. Tell your mom about it. It's been a while since I've asked anyone to do that. <laughs> yeah, I forget about that. <laughs> Telling people tell, about the podcast. Tell, tell your mom about the armrests. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a really great project. Uh, and I, I, what, I was, what I'm excited about is that it has no real right angles to it. It's all curved pieces, but you still figured out a replicable system for creating uh, cushions without sewing. So that's no, no small feat. You were bending plywood, you were doing upholstery, and you were power carving eggplants, which, you know, shout out <laughs> to the eggplant boys. Cause, uh, uh, we had to make two symmetrical eggplants at that. Making one eggplant, that's one thing. But making two that are identical is a whole new feat. You know what, though, Ben, you like to make fun of Mike for that, but I'm looking at that microphone that's in front of you right now. I don't know if you have room to talk. <laughs> we got a third eggplant boy in the building here. <laughs> it's like a robot eggplant. It's the eggplant squad. Yeah, so if you're not keeping up with my Instagram stories, then you don't know what we're talking about, which means you should be following at Modern Builds and keeping up with those stories. Um, but aside from that, um, I've sent that to Rust-Oleum, uh, and I've been keeping up with them through the progress of the project because they're the ones sponsoring it. And they were incredibly happy with it, happy enough that they want to do a second video. And I think it was two weeks ago, whenever I was coming up with the idea and hunting for projects on Craigslist, I had said that I had found this chair and I had also found a bunch of vintage lockers on Craigslist. And I was kind of talking to you guys, we were kind of weighing the pros and cons of both projects. And I think I'm going to do the lockers now. They wanted to do a second project. Uh, and basically all they said is just like, figure out something cool that incorporates, you know, our spray paint. So they're giving me a ton of creative freedom with that, which is awesome. And so hopefully by the time this project airs, I will have already found some lockers in my area and I'll be turning those into a media console with a TV lift cabinet, um, which should be something totally unique. And I don't know, just something really exciting. I'm just really, I'm just really excited with the idea of finding vintage or trash items and figuring out cool ways of using them. You should spray paint the whole bus, Mike. I should spray. <laughs> It'll Dude. only take you forever. Well, maybe if I get one of those pistol grip things. I've never used there one. You have go. you? Now you're ready. I have, yeah. Are they, are they, do they make the spray painting experience that much better? Dude, you could knock out a bus in like a half hour. Oh, perfect. Perfect. With one of those pistol grips. <laughs> I only need 150 no problem. cans. There you go. As long as Rust-Oleum sends out the cans, I'm good with it, right? You'll do it. Yeah. That would actually be a really fun group activity, right? Spray paint the bus? Yeah. Like if we got like 10 people out and put scaffolding all around it and just all went for it. Yeah, we should. <laughs> It'll come out looking good. <laughs> we'll just grow hot dogs and burgers, keep everybody fed, free beer. All you got to do is just spray paint or spray paint. There you go. There's, there's the summer plans. It'll only be like 115 degrees too. Exactly. So I want to hear a few ideas, if anyone's got them, to do with this TV lift cabinet with the lockers. Uh, my idea is it'll be the square lockers, if you remember, the kind that kind of are in employee break rooms mostly or like a public yeah. swimming pool. And so my idea is I'm going to have to cut out the back so that I could fit the TV lift cabinet hardware in there because the TV's got to yeah. sit inside the cabinet. How deep are those usually? Um, like would you imagine... I would say somewhere around 12 inches, maybe okay. 16. So it would be, so it already would be like a thinner, 
kind of console. It will, yeah. Which which okay. is something that I like too. I'm a big fan of like narrower coffee tables and narrow console tables as well. I mean, if everyone's got a flat screen TV, it just makes sense, right? To take up oh, enough yeah, room for with sure. the furniture. Yeah, same thing with like compute like desks. I know like the standard was always 30 inches wide, but it seems like you know if you're working on a laptop and you dock it to a flat screen occasionally, like there's no reason that you need a 30 inch deep desk anymore. Absolutely not. So. My my plan is to take these lockers and reconfigure them so that instead of being like a vertical unit, it's more of a horizontal unit. I'll either weld up a base or make a wooden base. I'm still kind of on the fence. And then from there is I want it to be where you open up each of the lockers so, and you can kind of sort into like maybe all your scary movies are in one of the lockers. All of your like funny movies are in another. Or if you're somebody that doesn't have DVDs like me, you could use it to kind of store some of your electronics or like little Nintendo Switch cubby or all this kind of stuff. But I want to paint the insides of the cubbies different colors. I think that's kind of a fun thing you can do that doesn't make it obnoxious from the front, you know, so it's still really kind of minimal and underplayed when you look at it at large. But then you can kind of be surprised by all these fun colors. So if anybody's got any ideas, I'm totally open to it. So send me a DM uh, on Instagram and I'd be really happy to hear about it. Or... Shoot us a voicemail. All you got to do is record a voice memo on your phone and then email it to at or email it to modernmakerpodcast at gmail.com and we'll play it. Yep. So that's about it. So what's the plan today? What are we talking about? Well, actually, I think Chris brought up something interesting uh, that I've definitely been I following. Uh, the whole idea of, of sort of a desk not needing to be so deep as they, they used to be because of laptops. Um, same thing with media consoles. Remember when like... Media consoles used to be called more like entertainment centers, and they were like, right. yeah, they were like Huge. full two foot deep kitchen cabinet sets to accommodate. Yeah, it was like yeah. your whole wall, basically a thick ass the TV, DLPs. right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And as mm-hmm. TVs got thinner and thinner and flatter, uh, you know, now a media console can just be, you know, what ten inches deep just to hold the sort of yeah. the the Wi-Fi kind of uh, and cable boxes. So the future of furniture. Right. So for cable box and stuff, they still haven't all caught up yet, right? I mean, like the Roku, mm-hmm. the, the Apple TV, those things are all nice and compact. But we got this stupid-ass uh, DirecTV <laughs> box. Negative shout-out to DirecTV. They kind of suck. Um, we, we were sort of <laughs> yeah, forced. Yeah, shout in. Yeah, we were sort of forced into getting it because it came with this sort of internet that uh, provider that we had. Um, but it's just it's just garbage. I get why everybody's just sort of cutting cutting cable and, and going all through just sort of internet stuff. But they sent us this box that's still like an old-school DVD player um, when the TV that we have is only about eight inches deep for the stand. So I think that one of the things that we could discuss is sort of how furniture is changing, right? So for me, I, I'm right there with you, Chris. I think like an 18-inch deep desk is perfect. Now, I want one that's kind of on the long side because I can sort of like, you know, organize things and like collate papers or right. open mail. Like I like the sort of linear process, but it's actually really nice that it can be, you know, a, a, a shallower desk can be sort of tight to the wall that way. Um, doesn't it protrude out mm-hmm. into the room as much, but you can still get a lot of surface area to the sides. Um, so yeah, I, I've been thinking for a while that sort of desks, media consoles can be way more narrow than they've been traditionally made. 
Yeah, I think desks are like the one thing that you actually, people still seem to design them the old way, even though we don't need to. Like, I think you have seen media consoles get thinner or narrower over time. Uh, Desks, yeah, I totally agree. Like, the side-to-side real estate is nice. Having it back back and forth, though, it ends up seeming like it's a problem, though, because you, like, stack things behind it, and then you're trying to get to everything. You're knocking stuff over. And I've been wanting to do a desk for a long time. Like, right now, I have this old desk that I just refin... Actually, it was when I got the uh, pistol grip spray paint thing. This was way before I ever even got into woodworking. I bought this old... I think they call them tanker-style desks. So, like, the kind of desks you'd see in, like, an office in, like, the 1950s or whatever. Right. And it was... So, basically, I just had to, like, sand it down, and and I painted it and just did what I could to it at the time because I thought those were cool desks. And so we still have that one sitting in our family room, and we still use it, but, like, it takes up way more space than it needs to. And especially, like, you know, next year, my kid's going to start school. He's going to start having homework. You know, we're going to need more, like, spaces to actually do that kind of work, but don't intrude so that is something that i've had on the the docket to build for a while so i would like to do a desk that's narrower and like more made for the way things are right now and actually what i would really like to do and you know no promises because this is kind of out of my control but the the guys that i that i've done some stuff with before uh that tld tech channel yeah so they do this series called dream desk where they'll usually have like some sort of a theme and they'll they'll put together like the desk and then like all the different components that go on it around some sort of a theme. My plan is to make one and then kind of contact them maybe halfway through it and see if I can collab with them and they can, you know, I'll just say like, here's the desk. You guys take care of all the tech stuff and like, you know, make it whatever your, the dream setup would be. I think it would be cool to do something smaller. And I know with them doing the tech side of it, they'd really be able to highlight that fact that like, you can get by with way less space than what it used to be. Right, totally. Are you gonna Are you gonna do a kid's desk too for seven? He's an adult, man. Oh, no, just, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta grow. I think that would be Maybe. cool. I feel like that's something a lot of parents would like like to DIY. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think another area where things are kind of changing is with beds as well. Um, yeah. The if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think with like some of the new mattresses, like the Caspers and stuff. They don't need, they have different ventilation requirements because the foam has changed and sort of self ventilates, right? So it's funny when we did a, a bed and was just sort of supported the mattress onto plywood. A bunch of people that, you know, mm-hmm. aren't hip with modern mattress technology thought they were really clever and saying, <laughs> like, oh, you forgot to drill holes or use slats to do that. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Get up with the times, brother. Like, you know, read the fine print and, and educate yourself before you try to correct somebody on the internet. Um, hashtag not bitter. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So I think that's like another area where one thing changes and it changes the requirements for furniture. I mean, I remember growing up when all beds had box springs to them. And then at right. some point, mm-hmm. those started going away in favor of the slat systems, which I think sort of Ikea popularized. Um it's bad enough helping friends move, but like helping friends move like a long time ago when they had these like heavy ass box springs that you had to try to twist. I remember like, <laughs> uh, I think it was in college, like we were helping one friend move and he had this like queen size box spring in this like tiny little Victorian house at, at, at Cornell. And we we're trying to get this down this really narrow thing and it just got stuck and we were just frustrated. And so we just ended up 
breaking it into a million pieces and throwing it on the front lawn. <laughs> it was just like, he's like, I don't need a box spring. <laughs> it was such a pain just to move this big hollow wooden shell with a bunch of like sharp <laughs> springs inside. Um, yeah. Also, the noise they made was pretty terrible. Beds are also cool. It's like the whole integrated uh, nightstands into the headboard things is really making a comeback. Like that, that was really big with like Nightstand. super mid-century furniture, but... I'm a big fan of it. It makes everything match. It takes up less space. Yeah. It's really cool. Right. The, and the other thing with beds, too, is that often, like, uh, especially like sort of freelancers, whether they be graphic designers or stuff like that, if they live in cities, they, I know a ton of people that like actually work from their bed. They sit on their bed with their laptop and kind of work there all day. So their bed becomes this like kind of, and you know, if you're in a, a Manhattan apartment, you know, maybe 400 square feet for the whole thing. Um, you know, you got to get sort of double duty out of that, that real estate and, you know, it becomes this kind of like lounge chair kind of like epicenter for everything where you make your conference calls, uh, and do all these things. So I think that's like another area where not just for beds, but sort of thinking about how much furniture is designed for suburban life, but then how the overall demographic trends are going more towards cities and how that could shift conceptions about how big things should be, which things should have multiple functions, and so on and so forth, which for designers and makers is really good. It's good that things are changing because it creates new needs and new areas to sort of innovate and come up with unique ideas. Ben, it's funny that you brought that thing up about working from the bed. Like literally a week or two ago, me and my wife were kind of coming up with like some project ideas for things that I could do. And we were talking about doing some kind of like desk in my son's room. And I was saying, what? because his bed is almost up against the wall. I would say there's like probably a foot in between the wall and his bed on, on one of the sides. <clears throat> and it's just kind of a blank wall that it goes up against where we're not really getting any function out of. And so I was picturing a table that could be up and then fold down and use as like a desk. So you could sit on the edge of the bed and then have a desk right there. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe it would be a bad idea for a little kid because when they're doing their homework, like, you know, they're probably going to be in the living room or in the family room because you're going to be helping them. Like, I don't know. When I was little, I didn't like go off into my bedroom and do my homework. I was always like Mm -hmm. out in the family room doing my homework on the coffee table. He would not go to bed when he's supposed to, though. That's the problem. You'd catch him like in the middle of the night, like drawing and like making comic books. Maybe it's like a flip down desk that's like a whiteboard on the surface or something. Oh, yeah. I like that. So you could just draw right on that. Ooh, but then you're going to get a lot of marker stains on the bed. Yeah. It's not ventilated yeah. anyway, so I got to get Marcus rid of it in six months. About the uh, about the best you can hope for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. It's funny though. Whenever we were talking about the future of furniture, we're talking about everything kind of like downsizing or being multi-purpose. But last weekend, Ben and I went down to Venice, and while we were there, we walked around kind of the furniture stores in the area just as a little recon mission to see what people are buying. Mm-hmm. And that that holds true. You know, if you go into de- design within reach, like a lot of that stuff is very kind of compact, simple, clean, modern furniture. But we also went to Restoration Hardware where everything seems to be super <laughs> oversized. Now, I think one that is kind of appealing to like the suburban kind of like Dallas style market. But I, it was an interesting point where if you're downsizing all of your other furniture, so say in your living room, you've got a console table, which is now narrower. You've got mm-hmm. a coffee table, which is also narrower and everything else is just smaller, then that means you can do like this stupid huge sofa, which is what you want to be oversized and comfy anyways. Because people keep getting bigger. 
people just keep getting bigger and spending more and more time on the sofa. So, <laughs> but I thought that was interesting where there's like a lot of these really big sectional sofas, but they're the same depth of what a traditional day bed would be. So right. it's great for napping. It's great for like just lounging and conversation or just like totally vegging out and watching TV. It was great because in the span of like two hours, we went to probably like four different furniture places and yeah mike is exactly right the the you know restoration hardware was kind it's kind of like the cheesecake factory of furniture it has a huge menu there's tons of everything <laughs> and everything's huge yeah um and it probably appeals to in, in some way to there's some probably overlap to the to the demographic as well that sort of desires those places um but no it was it was really interesting to see how segmented the markets become and and restoration hardware is I mean, I'm not knocking them. They have some really great pieces, and they have some pieces that you know don't really do it much for me. Right. Um, but they've definitely been innovative uh, as a business and sort of pioneered some new product lines that that other you know real notable furniture companies had kind of not thought about. And I think for them, they're looking at also sort of trends, but they were looking at the opposite trends that we were sort of talking about. So they were looking at how maybe suburban houses are getting bi- were getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and sort of saying, hey, you know, people like, they don't sit up straight on the sofa. They like lounging around and watching TV. So let's make these these giant oversized sofas that are incredibly comfortable. We'd been walking around a lot. And me and Mike just sort of sat in one. We're like, dude, this is nice. Like, <laughs> kind of chill here for a bit. Yeah. Um, so it's it was definitely like a really fun trip. They Their roof garden there, and this was the one on Melrose in LA, was really well done it was this beautiful roof garden they really staged their outdoor pieces well i think i like their outdoor furniture a lot more than their indoor furniture Um, i agree yeah but uh it was it was definitely like a cool thing there's nothing there that i would be like ooh, that's like something similar to what i would want to build but uh it is always good to sort of just broaden uh your sort of inputs for media or visual stimulus and, and get out there and experience some other things yeah otherwise if you're if you're building the same things you're looking at you become like way too derivative. But if you can pick pieces from a bunch of different sources and then combine those together, that's how you're able to make more unique original designs for sure. Yeah. And, and back to the sort of screen idea, you know, I was thinking about it while, while Chris was talking. Like, so me and Mike are living together and hashtag not a couple. Uh, right. I was kid. just about to say, what's that word? Platonically <laughs> yeah, or whatever? Are- <laughs> Strictly platonic. Purely. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, so I watched like, you know, there, there's a few types of content that I, that I sort of watch. So we, we watched like a basketball game or a, a UFC fight. And in that case, we were like sitting in the, the, the living room, um, like often like drinking beers or something and like watching on the on the big screen tv but if i'm watching like a show like a serial show like westworld or something where i'm at like a certain season whereas my friends might be at a different place i'm often watching that on my laptop right um yeah. and then i'm like watching like a youtube video while i'm like sh- uh shaving and it's like sitting on the on the the bathroom counter so it's interesting that it's like it's not just, you know, it used to be like, oh, here's the home theater room where everybody watches everything. No, I think people really are watching different content at different places. So a media console for me in like the bedroom, it wouldn't need to be this separate cabinet with another flat screen TV on it. It might just be a really great stand that sort of pivots out from the nightstand or from the headboard for like a laptop, right? If it's in uh, the bathroom, I don't need this built-in 
super, you know, soon to be obsolete uh, smart mirror with a screen built into it where I can watch ESPN. It might just be a stand for my phone while I'm like shaving or brushing my teeth or flossing. Um, so uh, again, these are all ways to sort of, you know, find new ideas by actually thinking about how the way you're using and consuming different devices is shifting and changing. You know, I got to say just because it's too perfect, but if you're like Ben and you like consuming a YouTube video while you shave, my project that I put out two days ago will be perfect for you. So go watch that shaver stand that I built. That's got a place for your phone. You can watch Chris. Yeah, yeah you can watch Chris build a shaving stand while you're yeah. shaving. And then the world will implode on itself. But then... Shaveception. <laughs> Shaveception, yeah. I got a question. So then if a restoration hardware is the cheesecake factory of furniture stores, you know where I'm going with this. What's the Applebee's? Mathis Brothers. <laughs> Mathis Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That was good, right? That's perfect. Or, or maybe like one of those like rent-to-own places. Yeah, one of those hole-in-the-wall places. Yeah, exactly. Sears. Do they have furniture? I don't even know. Uh, who knows? They're all going out of business anyways. Awesome. So do you guys have any obsessions this week? What have y'all been... I'm going to go ahead and just say my obsession has been the NBA playoffs. Oh, dude. It hasn't been as cutthroat of series as I was hoping that they were. I mean, yeah. it looks like the Warriors are going to run away with it. Isn't it weird that it seems like it's gotten less competitive? They're not putting any limits on caps. They're just letting people yeah. run up their luxury taxes. I guess. Maybe that is... the same is... thing that happened to baseball. But Yeah, but I mean, you would just think like, okay, if no matter what the case is for that, you would always think like, okay, the first round is going to be l- less competitive. The second round will be a little bit more competitive. Then the conference finals will be even more competitive. But it seems like it's been the opposite of that. The Warriors have a matchup solution for every team in the league. So it's just really hard to, to compete against them. And they're, if the Cavaliers make it to the finals, they're going to get swept. So I don't know. It's still fun to watch. It's still my favorite sport, but I would love to see some more competition. I'd like to see some players get moved around for some for some interesting matchups. Yeah, I'd like to see LeBron and Kawhi come to the Lakers. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see LeBron right. go to the Phillies. Or not the Phillies, <laughs> but I would love to see LeBron <laughs> pull go to Michael Philly. Jordan and start playing baseball. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I bet he could. He would probably rocket some hom- <laughs> some homers. He'd send it. I think... I think he pitches in those Sprite commercials. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I think if LeBron went to the 76ers, whew, easy run to the finals. Get some young talent around him so that he doesn't have to be the one that's constantly pushing the pace or, you know, yeah, pushing the pace or slowing the pace. Like, he can let the young people run around for a little while. Then he can slow the game down when he needs to. It'd be a good balance. What about you guys? What are you obsessed yeah. with? Well, I'll just I'll comment on that. Uh, LeBron, to me, is such an interesting character because he... <laughs> You know, if, if you were to pull people and go like, uh, you know, what is he most criticized for? Um, it always blew my mind that he got so much criticism for doing that that show. The decision? Yeah, the decision, right? Like people said, oh, it's so arrogant, so egotistical, mm-hmm. so selfish, blah, 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 right? When you think about what he did is he it was it was incredibly innovative. It was very entrepreneurial. It was. It showed like a, a an objective understanding of his marketplace and his position, which no one else had done before. And he raised, I think, like two or three million dollars for charity, which isn't an insignificant amount. So whenever people I hear someone sort of doing that really sort of stupid Skip Bayless type criticism uh, of it, I always ask them like, "Well, 
How much money do you make and how many things have you created that were innovative, risky, where you put yourself out there, where you generated an equivalent percentage of your of your annual income that all went towards charity. Oh, you didn't? Oh, then shut up. You know, like, uh, it's funny that he got so maligned for something that was, I I think, is unarguably uh, innovative, showed that he understood the way the sort of media market was going, and also did it all for, like, a good cause. Anybody that can carry Kevin Love to the NBA Finals... (laughs) It's fine by me, man. It's like the only other thing they got, man. Well, I'll give mine... I went and saw, we'll stick to sort of media and pop culture. I went and saw the new Deadpool movie. Uh, Ooh. It was, it was you know, uh, not kid-friendly, but it was very, very funny. Um, and after seeing the sort of, you know, the Avengers, which was very sort of serious and somber, uh, it was hilarious, uh, irreverent, and yeah, kind of gross. Nice. I'll Perfect. I'll uh, finish off the media kick here and say, have you guys watched Barry? Barry, no, no, I, I haven't even heard it's, of it. It's very good. Tell so me about it. It's um, he's a hitman. It's a weird premise. He's a hitman, and then he comes to L.A. for a job and finds this acting class and decides he wants to be an actor. Oh wow! So it's definitely funny and it's definitely dark. And it actually gets darker as it progresses. I have one more episode to watch. No spoilers, even though I'll probably watch it before this comes out. But yeah, it, it actually gets very dark. And it's, it's the kind of show that me and my friend were talking about this. I don't see how it's going to go on past the second season. Like it just doesn't, it seems like it should just be like a mini series. Is it a Netflix series or is it no? On it's a network? HBO. HBO. Okay, cool. Yeah, so there's like eight episodes or so. But yeah, it's it's really good it's bill Hader, which you know he's always really good in, in everything that he's in bill um, Hader in a super dark series yeah and yeah, he does cool. it too he's, okay. a, he's like a super good actor you know yeah. obviously you knew he's funny but he's he's a really good actor too so um yeah he's yeah, also like, the voice of that one droid in star wars oh bb8 yeah that's right good for him <laughs> good enough for star wars good enough for barry yeah it's so interesting every tv show people talk about now it's either an hbo series an amazon prime or a netflix show I can't remember the last like actual network TV show that I was really excited about and talked about to people. Seinfeld. Yeah. Or no, yeah. The Office. The Office. <laughs> the, there we go. You know, I'm trying to actually... If Atlanta. I'm, if, I think Atlanta's the only like real cable even network that, that's show like, that people that's are really... Atlanta's good. Yeah, but like, right. what about like a prime time or, you know, like a, a major, you know, ABC, CBS, all those. Like, yeah. If all the primetime shows are competition stuff now. I mean, I watched plenty of those things, but like the last one that I can think about that like, you know, people were really like talking about, at least in my circle, was Lost. And that was like yeah. 12 years ago. Yeah, Lost was a long time ago, man. Mike was like three. <laughs> I was barely alive. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny, man. It's just, I think it just goes to show that if you try new things, like what HBO and other streaming services have done. You can come up with new, creative, fresh stuff, and people will like it. So, uh, Mike and I have had some recent conversations with uh, television producers, and let's just say when you hear their ideas, you understand why sort of network TV and even a lot of cable seems so stale right. and derivative. Uh, they have a very specific mold that their puzzle piece needs to fit into, except it's a bunch of puzzle pieces all fit, trying to fit into the exact same spot. So... It's a real you know, lack of originality. 
You know what's funny is actually the other day I was just like flipping around TV in the morning and there was this show on that it was like a it was like a truck show where they were like fixing up a truck or whatever but it was yeah. kind of what we do like you know making a video where it shows like and next you're going to do this or whatever but they were working on suspension for a truck so instead of furniture suspension for a truck and I was just <laughs> looking at the production of it and I was like you know yeah it's better than our production is but it wasn't much better Surprisingly. And it probably doesn't really make the actual show any better either because all those shots that are cool production shots are shots that are taken away from like the close up of what someone is doing. Yeah, it was like I would say it was, you know, what I I would say like what I'm doing is like, you know, 85% as good as what I was watching there. Wow. But like I was just like, like how much money and production goes into this? Yeah. Well, the, yeah. that being said, uh, when uh, and this is sort of a shout out, uh, you know, Jimmy Deresta is going to be making an appearance on a network making right. show that's, uh, you know, stole the name from their podcast, making it. So, yeah, when is that thing coming out, man? I think it's relatively soon. I think it's sort of end of of, of summer. So that's be be like sure. a summer tempting. OK, right. So he, he, here's a major plug and a shout out for someone that we all uh so we all love and admire. Uh, when that show comes out, I highly encourage every single one of you guys to hit up the Making It television show on social media. And if Jimmy's in it a lot, hit him up saying, oh, it's great to see Jimmy in there. If Jimmy yeah. gets edited out, just blast them More and sort of Jimmy. say, why did you cut out the most interesting part? I'm here for that. Yeah, like It would be awesome to see i mean I've, I've checked out their social media stuff and the 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 tv show's presence isn't huge yet and it's probably because they haven't started spending money on it but they probably will given the uh, the nature of the show and when it's you know when and where it's going to be yeah. airing so but either way it'll be awesome to see if every one of their social media it's all about jimmy yeah that would be really um, cool which uh shouldn't be too hard to do so when that's on maybe we'll do some sort of like you know uh, you know, like watch party, live story posts, watch watching that. Yeah, some sort of online watch party to kind of celebrate and support uh, uh, Jimmy. Because again, you know, this is a community. Uh, the success of any one person opens doors for everyone else, and also, you know, that would be the most interesting thing on that show. Exactly. Anyways, big shout out to Jimmy. Cool. Well, said. thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, I'm just going to ask very politely, and I'm not going to ask for three more weeks. But I also need people to actually do it. Ooh. Is we need you to go to the iTunes app where your podcasts are, find the Modern Maker podcast, and give it a nice little five star review. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what you hate about the show. But also remember to keep it five stars because that tells the podcast app that we're a good podcast and that it should suggest it to other people. So thank you in advance for that. Y'all are amazing. Hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge ends at the end of this month. So if you're making a YouTube video, if you're doing Instagram posts, if you're doing any of that, make sure you get those posted with the hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge. That's how we keep up with everything, how we find it and how we compile uh, the people that are participating and we find our winners. Um, If you're doing a YouTube video and you want it in the highlight episode that we all go over and we talk about it and say what we like about each project or what we don't like, dun-dun. Ooh. Make sure and have that project video done. Otherwise, we won't be able to show it. Um, 
We're going to do a YouTube playlist with all that. So hopefully it gives everyone some good views and helps kind of boost everybody's channel a little bit as well. If you're not already, we are at Modern Builds on Instagram, at Four Eyes Furniture, at Benjamin Ueda, and at Modern Maker Podcast as a collective. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your week. And until next time, this has been the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye. That was so late. <laughs> <laughs>